Welcome to Center Ice. It is already the 8th of September. Time is just flying by. We are in the conference finals now. We've got a whole bunch of great stuff coming ahead. But before we get into that, uh, Mac and I have a little bit of steamed hams business to take care of, don't we, Mac? Yeah, you and I made a bet that if the Colorado Avalanche lost to the Dallas Stars, that we would recite the whole steamed hams routine complete with sound effects. So, without further ado, here it is. I'll be playing Superintendent Chalmers, and Matt will be playing Principal Skinner. Let's do it. Well, Seymour, I made it, despite your directions. Ah, Superintendent Chalmers, welcome. I hope you're prepared for an unforgettable luncheon. Yeah. Oh, ye gods, my roast is ruined. But what if... I had order to purchase fast food and disguise it as my own cooking. Oh, ho, ho, delightfully devilish, Seymour. Uh. Seymour! Uh, Superintendent, I was just, uh, stretching my calves on the windowsill. Isometric exercise. Care to join me? Why is there smoke coming out of your oven, Seymour? Oh, that isn't smoke. It's steam. Steam from the steam clams we're having. Mmm, steam clams. Oof. Superintendent, I hope you're prepared for mouth-watering hamburgers. I thought we were having steamed clams. Don't know. I said steamed hams. That's what I call hamburgers. You call hamburgers steamed hams? Yes, it's a regional dialect. Uh-huh. What region? Uh, upstate New York. Really? Well, I'm from Utica, and I've never heard anyone use the phrase steamed hams. Oh, no, not in Utica. It's an Albany expression. I see. You know, these hamburgers are quite similar to the ones they have at Krusty Burger. Oh no, Padden and Skinner Burgers, old family recipe. For steamed hams. Yes. Yes, and you call them steamed hams, despite the fact that they are obviously grilled. Yeah, you know, the one thing I should, uh, excuse me for one sec. Uh, Of course. Oh well, that was wonderful. A good time was had by all. I'm pooped. Yes, I should be. Good lord! What is happening in there? Aurora Borealis. Uh, Aurora Borealis. At this time of year, at this time of day, in this part of the country, localized entirely within your kitchen? Yes. Uh, may I see it? Nope. Seymour! The house is on fire! No, mother, it's just the Lord might. Well, Seymour, you are an odd fellow, but I must say, you steam a good hand. Help! Help! Welcome back to Center Ice. We hope you enjoyed that. We had some fun with with it. Um, figured we would make a fun bet, even though we didn't really think it was going to come true, and Dallas proved us wrong, so kudos to them. They're on to the Western Conference Final against the Vegas Golden Knights. So, Matt, let's start there. A pretty uh, disappointing effort game one from Vegas, but looking at Dallas coming off a seven-game series of their own, I was really impressed with how they played. I mean, 
basically the way Dallas plays is their goal is to wear you down physically. They're big. They have good goaltending. They've got plenty of offensive talent. You know, Miro Heiskanen and John Klingberg have been just amazing in the playoffs. And I mean, they, I've got this feeling about the Dallas team that I haven't really, really been feeling for a while. I think they got their taste of the playoffs and, you know, moving on to the conference final, they can feel it. They can feel like, hey, we have a chance here to win the whole thing. Yeah, I think they absolutely do, absolutely have a right to believe in that because, let's be honest, uh, going into the playoffs, Mac, I think a lot of us undervalued the Dallas Stars. They hadn't played all that well in the uh, seeding games, and they got off to a little, I wouldn't say a horrible start against Calgary, but they had their moments against Calgary where they were mm-hmm. a little rocky. Mm-hmm. And then, really, after game three in that series, it's pretty much been airtight in terms of defense for Dallas. They don't give up a lot of goals, as you mentioned. They play a physical game that wears you down. And I think the only thing that holds me back from saying Dallas is a Stanley Cup finalist this year is really... We haven't seen much from Sagan and Ben, and we haven't seen mm-hmm. things from them in quite a while. But even minus those two guys, you mentioned Miro Heiskanen, who, for a, I forget what the exact statistic was, Matt, but for quite a while, I think it was for 90% of the goals the Stars were scoring, Miro Heiskanen was on the ice, and he's just playing at another level right now. And oh. if, if you're a Dallas fan, you've got to be thrilled with what you're seeing from him. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you asked about that stat. Only three goals in the playoffs have been scored when either Klingberg or him is not on the ice. I mean, that is ridiculous. That is incredible. Three goals. That's it. just shows you that level of talent Klingberg and Heiskanen have. Yeah, for sure. The best part about Heiskanen is not only does he play great offense, he's a pretty good defender, too. And... Yep. They've relied on him for, in some big situations. Yeah, for sure. He is, he is one of the best defensemen in the league, for sure. And I know people like to talk about Makar and Hughes, but you know this guy, for me, has been probably as close to like a Braden Point or a McKinnon in the playoffs as, as anyone. And he's doing this as a defenseman, which is just amazing, honestly. Um, but... Don't forget Klingberg. He might not have the the offensive totals, but he's a little more well-rounded. He's more of a veteran. He is probably the best defenseman in the league at getting shots through from the point. And when he shoots it, his accuracy is, is outstanding. And he actually practices that every single day at practice, getting that shot through from the point with traffic in front. It's, it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, it really is those little fi- things that separate teams like Dallas from teams like Vegas. And and we'll get on Vegas in a moment because, you know, let's not completely discredit the Vegas Golden Knights here. They are a very good team. Mm-hmm. But just based off what we've seen, the Dallas Stars just seem to be a little, I wouldn't quite say well-rounded, but they just seem to have the better defensive system and the better overall system. And let's not forget who Dobin's been playing excellent this playoffs. He's got a 930 save percentage with a mm-hmm. 222 goals against average. That's better than Robin Leonard, who he will more than likely face tonight. And mm-hmm. Robin Leonard's, to be frank, he's been good, but he hasn't been great. You know, 
I think both you no, know, I agree. a little I agree more from Robin Leonard. And we haven't seen it yet. And I think for Vegas to make a serious run at the cup from this point on, they need Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury to be just a bit better. Because in the earlier rounds of the playoffs, you can there's a little more leniency with your goaltending. But by the time you get to this point, your goaltending needs to be spot on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the two biggest factors right now in uh, teams winning and going very far are goaltending and players that really drive the offense, players that set up plays like Heiskanen and Point and McKinnon. And, you know, McKinnon's not a great example because his team was eliminated, but him and McCarr were the only reason the Avalanche went as far as they did, let's be honest. Um, Yeah, well, let's get to those Avalanche quickly, Mac. Uh, Sure, yeah. You know, the Avalanche, I think you you brought up an excellent point there. Uh, without McKinnon or McCarr, the Avalanche are out in round one. And I think that, and I mentioned this to you the other night when we were watching game one. I said, you know, if you're re- relying on Hutchinson in a game seven situation, there's one of your biggest problems right there. Course, <laughs> <laughs> there's other problems with the Avalanche and nothing against Michael Hutchinson. but do you really want to be relying on him for a game seven? Probably not. <laughs> no. Yeah. But I mean, before we, before we continue on to Vegas here and wrap up that series uh, discussion, you mentioned Colorado. I mean, I think if you're Joe Sackick, I'm not even concerned about adding a Taylor Hall right now. I'm thinking, okay, listen, I've got to look at what Tampa Bay did. Tampa Bay went out and got Pat Maroon, Zach Bogosian, Barkley Goodrow, Blake Coleman, Luke Shen, and it's doing wonders for them. You know, they're better defensively, they're harder to play against, they're more physical. That is something that Colorado is really lacking. So I don't know if you need a big ticket free agent. I do think adding a goalie is is almost a must at this point because let's be honest, Grubauer and Francois are good goalies, but they're not great. But I mean, if you if you just added a goalie, whether it be via trade or free agency, I mean, you look at Markstrom and Lanner; those two guys are are just absolute studs. I think me personally, I prefer Markstrom over Lanner a little bit because there's a little more of a sample size there. And you look at this year's playoffs, and Lanner's been okay, like you said, he's been solid, but he hasn't been nearly as good as Markstrom. And I think. Vancouver's in tough to keep Markstrom here because you've got Demko, who is absolutely the future in net, and he was outstanding when he did play. But at the same time, you would love to keep both. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that. So if I'm Joe Sackick, I'm very interested in either him or maybe trading for like a Darcy Kemper would be interesting because the Coyotes are a total wild card in terms of their trades that they make. Like sometimes they get a lot of value for players. Sometimes they don't. And I've heard they're eager to move a little bit of money. You may be able to get Kemper for less than expected. So I don't know. I think you just, you look at the goaltending market and you try and upgrade as much as you can. Um, There's nothing wrong with having one of those guys as a backup. I think you and I would be comfortable with Grubauer or Franzos as a backup, but not a starter. No. He's not a starter anymore. Or he's good in a tandem. I should correct myself there. 
if he were in a tandem, and you and I, obviously, every time we come on this show, we love touting the tandem, and mm-hmm. for good reason. Mm-hmm. But to me, Grubauer is not the type of guy you're going to put out for 50 games. No. And the nice thing for Joe Sackett is he's got the assets available to make a trade, and he's got lots of cap space, so if he wants to sign Jacob Markstrom, and I think at this point he'll probably hit the free agent market, sounds like yeah. free agency will start on October 9th, potentially, Mac. They mm-hmm. announced today that they will potentially be moving up the draft to the 6th or 7th of October, so that's one month from now, and if you're Joe Sackick, and this is seeming more and more likely that free agency starts on the 9th, you Start preparing now. Start looking at guys like Markstrom and Leonard and be the first guy to call their agents when free agency opens. And I think going into next season with better goaltending will certainly help the Avalanche immensely. Oh, absolutely. All right, let's let's finish on Vegas here. I mean, I think we can talk about game one, but for me, what I saw game one was a team that just wasn't really ready to play for the first kind of period and a half. Whereas Dallas, despite the fact that they were also coming off of game seven, they were ready to go. And they, I think they had 24 hits in the first period, like just a crazy amount of hits. And they were wearing Vegas down in that game. But I mean, back to Vegas, I'm a little concerned about the lack of offense here. I mean, Shea Theodore has been the best player for them in terms of driving offense, 16 points. You know, Mark Stone has 15. Riley Smith has 13. Alex Tuck has been solid. I mean, he's kind of a third liner at this point, so 10 points is pretty good for Alex Tuck. But what about Stastny? What about Pacioretty, Marcheseau, Carlson? You need more from these guys. Absolutely. And we we were watching Game 7 together, and we were saying, you know, imagine if Vegas had all their guys going. This would be, you know, a 4 or 5 nothing game. And credit to Thatcher Demko. He was the main reason why that game stayed as close as it was for as long as it did. And we can get to Vancouver in a few minutes because there's lots of interesting things going on with them. But, you know, you could see it at times. A lot of the big guns on Vegas were visibly frustrated. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been five, six games since Mark Stone was able to pot one. And as you and you know, I'm a big Mark Stone fan, and so are you. But when you're paying Mark Stone $9 million a year, you're expecting mm-hmm. him to perform on the big games. And we haven't seen it happen, along with a lot of the other guys you mentioned, Matt. So you got to start getting your players to score. And I think that if they don't get their guys going soon, Mac. Dallas should be able to win because right now Dallas with their defensive system, it would be hard enough with all their guys going. It's just become an almost an impossible task if your key contributors aren't contributing. Yeah. And the thing is with Dallas, that's kind of impressive when, as we wrap up on this series is that Jamie Ben has had 14 points. He's been solid. He hasn't been great. Sagan has not really done a whole lot in terms of offensive production. I mean, he only has seven points, which is just really low for him. But the thing is, like, when you look at the contributions from all the other players, Kiviranta, you know, Faxa, Hints, like, this is a deep Dallas team. 
and they're showing you that they can get it done without those guys if they're not going. But the thing is, with a guy like Jamie Benn, he can also impact the game with his physical play and defensive play as well. And I think he he totally understands that. What I saw in game one was a guy who wanted to be physical, but also wanted to be disciplined. And he wanted to wear down the other players and frustrate them. And of course, guess who the goal comes from <laughs> to win the game? <laughs> Klingberg. It's yeah. just, that's how they play. That's Dallas hockey. And the Colorado series was kind of, and the Colorado series and the uh, the um, Flames series, those were kind of needles in the haystack for the way Dallas plays. That game one against Vegas, that is how Dallas wants to play. They want to play those one well, Just look at how they played in third. Exactly. They got outshot 13 to 2, but. It really didn't look like it was completely one-sided in that third period because Dallas does a great job of weathering those storms. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mentioned Heiskanen and Klingberg, but the other thing is you also have big Jamie Alexiak, who not only is great defensively, and he's just impossible to deal with because he's so massive. He's 6'7", 255 pounds. But you also have Essa Lindell, who's one of the more underrated kind of shutdown defensemen in the league. He blocks a lot of shots. He's got a great um, defensive stick. He can hit, etc. And also, I'm going to give some love to my guy, Anton Hudobin. You know I've been a Hudobin guy for a while. It's great to see him and doing well in the playoffs, and I'm really happy for him. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas as well. You and I agree on that. Um I would love to see Vegas rebound here and take game two, but until they change the way they play, I don't know if that's going to happen. It'll be fascinating to see what happens Tuesday night. All right. Yeah, you made some great points there, Mac. Uh, let's move on to the Eastern Conference now. And, of course, we've got a real good Eastern Conference final matchup here. This is the one you and I were hoping for when the second round was going on. We've got the New York Islanders against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And safe to say, Mac, game one was not an indication of how this series is going to go down. Yeah, I think I saw a lot of fatigue with the Islanders. You know, they're coming off a seven-game series, whereas the Lightning made pretty quick work of the Bruins. And give them credit, they didn't look rusty at all. They were outstanding. But the Islanders yeah. have shown us that they can bounce back from games like this and, you know, burn the tape and, and come back strong. So I'm expecting a much better effort from them and they're not just going to roll over here. Oh, absolutely not. And I'm not overly concerned about the goaltending. I think Bryce and Varlamov were kind of hung out to dry points during that game one. And let's be honest with all the uh, firepower that the new, that the uh, Tampa Bay lightning have, excuse me, you're going to let in a few more goals than you would against the Philadelphia Flyers, for example. And the key for the Islanders, if they want to win this series, in my opinion, is you've got to be able to weather those lightning storm attacks, is what I like to call them, where they've just got their killer lines out there and they're firing everything on net. If you can weather those storms, even if you let in a couple goals through a game, as long as you play well enough, you should be able to holding them off just enough to win. But it's not going to be easy, that's for sure. This Tampa Bay Lightning team, Mac, they remind me of the 2018 Capitals, if if you get that feeling as well. You know, they've got all the makings of a championship team. They 
got trounced by the Blue Jackets last year, of course. And ever since then, you can tell they've kind of been playing with a chip on their shoulder. And that's kind of the push they needed to get to the level where they are. And they also made some really smart acquisitions. You got Pat Maroon and Goodrow, for example, who have added a bit of grit and a, and a bit more skill on that bottom six than Tampa had last year. Yeah, for sure. They're a completely different team. And uh, one thing to note for those of you that, that follow teams that are kind of frustrated with their results over the years in the playoffs, the Tampa Bay Lightning did not panic. They did not trade some away, away some of their skilled players. They kept them in the fold. But what they did do is they added a little bit more toughness, some better two-way players like you mentioned. Of course, Blake Coleman, Kevin Shattenkirk, you know, Zach Bogosian, even Luke Shen. These guys are all making a difference. And, you know, when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's about more than skill. It's about which team plays the best as a team. And obviously, I think the most important thing besides having depth and, and playing well defensively is goaltending. And Tampa Bay has that absolutely in Vasilevsky. And he's been, now that Markstrom and Demko are out, I, I think for me, he's been the best goalie in the playoffs. Yeah, I would agree. And I think Hudobin has been very good in Dallas. And we mentioned him earlier in the show. But Vasilevsky's just playing on another level at the moment. And there's a reason why he's up for the Vesna so often, because he's been so consistently good and even when Tampa comes out and has a bit of a flat effort you have that goaltending that's able to really elevate your team to another level even when the forwards aren't playing at that level yeah for sure and you mentioned the goaltending with the Islanders I don't I don't know if I share your view that I'm not concerned about it because I think I am a little bit you know Varlamov has been great for a while He's had some so-so games, you know, in the Philly series, but I don't know, lately he hasn't looked great. That might just be fatigue. Uh, They've been going to Grice a lot more, and honestly, Grice hasn't looked great either. So uh, this could be a a real bad situation for the Islanders if one of these guys doesn't start going because you're going to need it, and you're going to need really good goaltending that gives your team a chance to win in this series against Tampa, or you're probably getting swept at this point. I, I think you raise a, a, a good point. I will disagree with you just a little. I, I'm not going to base their goaltending off one really bad game because, Tam- excuse me, the Islanders, they had some good goaltending performances from Grice and Varlamov previously in the playoffs. And, I will agree with you that they aren't nearly as good as Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky's on a whole nother level. But I think that I'm not going to judge them off one game yet. Of course, we've got game two soon. And I think that if we see another bad performance from Greiser Varlamov, then I'm going to kind of switch to your side, Mac, because that's two bad games in a row. That's where you get concerned. And the interesting question for game two in terms of goaltending for the Islanders at this point, Mac, is if you're Barry Trotz, how much of a leash do you give to Rice or Varlamov? We don't know who's starting just yet, but how much of a leash do you give to them? Because based on how things went the last game, I doubt they're getting a very long leash. I imagine if either one of them lets in two quick goals, Barry Trotz is going to pull the trigger. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to go back to Varlamov. He's your guy. 
he's the guy you signed to be your number one. You paid all the money for him. Remember, he was replacing a very good goalie in Robin Leonard. And he's been very good. Like, like, let's be honest. He's had a few so-so games, but, I mean, that's every goalie. Not every goalie is locked in for every single game. So, yeah, I, um, I think depends on the goals. Are the goals, like, fluky goals or are the goals he should have stopped? Because if there's two kind of goals that he totally should have saved, I think you'll expect to see Grice pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. And I think the one other thing that the Islanders really have going in their favor, and this is nothing against John Cooper. He's been a very good coach in Tampa. He's actually the longest tenured coach in the NHL at the moment, if you can believe it. But Barry Trotz, to me, is the best coach in the NHL. And he's so consistent in what he's able to do. And it's amazing he hasn't won more Stanley Cups than he has because he's so good. And he Mm -hmm. teaches such a good defensive system. The Islanders can be a little boring to watch at times, but they win games. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. So if, if the Islanders can squeak, squeak out a couple 2-1, 3-2 wins, that would be huge for the Islanders here. And I think that's how the Islanders are going to win. Yeah, they've got the firepower in Barzell, Bavillier, Pajot, for example. But you need to have... To me, when the Islanders are at their best, they're not quite playing Dallas hockey, but they're playing mm-hmm. some sort of semblance of... Dallas hockey where they're scoring three maybe four goals at most per game but they're playing really good defensively and that's what I'm going to expect to see from them in game two if I'm not seeing that uh, I think that this could very well be a sweep Matt but at the moment if you have to make a prediction which we do for our episodes I'm going to say that the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to win in six and I'm tempted to go five here but I'm willing to be a little more confident on the goaltending than you are? You know, uh, I'll say five, not because the Islanders aren't a good team, and I I agree with you on Tampa Bay. I just think the Lightning are too much for pretty much anyone right now, and even if the Islanders play really well, they could still lose. Um, But back to what you said, I think you've got to, you know, pile up a bunch of hits. Like, in game one against Vegas, Dallas came out with a vengeance. They had 24 hits after the first period. You have to have a first period like that. You need to make the Lightning a little bit uncomfortable because they didn't do that in game one. Yeah, you're right. And physicality, when you get to this point of the playoffs, is so important. It's it's a little under-talked about because of how fast the game has gotten. But as soon as the playoffs come around, and particularly the deep rounds of the playoffs, the conference finals and the finals, the physicality and the intensity just gets ramped up to another level. And if you aren't coming out to play hard, you're going to get swept aside rather quickly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, I think both of us agree that the Islanders can get back into this series. We just, uh, you know, Tampa Bay is just such a force to be reckoned with, so... We'll see what happens there. Uh, let's let's talk about some of the teams that are uh, packing their bags and heading to the COVID golf courses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's head back out west. We can touch on the Colorado Avalanche. And the big point I want to bring up here is, yes, the Avalanche are good, and they've got lots of potential, especially with Nathan McKinnon. And the, the big thing for the Avalanche for me, Mac, is that if you're relying on Michael Hutchinson 
to backstop you for a game seven in the playoffs. That's a key problem right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not good. You and, gotta have a uh, little more goaltending depth than that. Come on. Mm-hmm. But, well, the good news for uh, Wa is that uh, he's got uh, a lot of options this offseason, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, the two biggest or kind of most lucrative options, I guess, are Robin Leonard and Jacob Markstrom. And I think you're definitely going to be interested in those guys. But remember, I think I've heard Leonard is already planning on re-signing in Vegas. So I think he's going to be off the board and Markstrom's going to command a lot of attention. So it's possible that maybe you go the trade route. You know, Darcy Kemper is with a mess of an organization in Arizona and he's a fantastic goalie. You saw what he did against your team. You know, maybe you can get him for a good price. I don't know. There's other potential goalies on the trade market. You know, I wouldn't recommend Freddie Anderson because I just don't think he's that great anymore. I think he's overworked and he's overrated. But, you know, there's plenty of options out there. And I think you and I agree that Fransos and Grubauer are both, you know, pretty serviceable backups, but they're not starters. And Joe Sackick watched Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon drive this team to a Game 7 and almost to the Western Conference Final. But what ended up killing them was the goaltending. I mean, you were relying on Michael Hutchison, who's not an NHL goalie, to save your bacon in Game 6 and Game 7. And, you know, Dallas exploited that. Yeah, you're right. And I'll put this out there, Mac. I think even if Grubauer was in net for the Avalanche for those games six and seven, I still I still don't think the Avalanche win that series. I think Grubauer is a much better goaltender, yes, but I don't want him being my backstop for game seven. I don't know about you. Maybe you feel different on Grubauer, but I'd be much more comfortable with a different goaltender than Grubauer in a game seven, particularly in overtime. And I remember going into that overtime, you and I were watching, and you and I were both thinking, the way the Dallas Stars win this is they just got to fire some good shots on Hutchinson, and one's going to beat him eventually. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, he's just not very pleasant to watch because his positioning is off, he overplays shots, and really the only reason he was there was because they just didn't have any other options. So... Yeah, it was it was tough for them. I mean, remember, they had their number one and number two goalies both go down, both of them, to injury. Like, that's basically worst-case scenario right there. Um, but I think, aside from the goaltending, I think a little more depth and a little more physicality in your bottom six will really help you out. Um, you know, observe Tampa Bay. Remember, Tampa Bay tried to win with skill for years and years under Stevie Eiserman, and they just couldn't do it. You know, Julian Brisewell comes in, recognizes that they need a little more grit, a little more toughness, some better two-way guys, and look at how they're doing right now. They're looking like the favorite to win it all. So, yeah, I mean, lots of reason to be optimistic about Colorado. You know, great team going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, would you quite would you say they're equivalent in the East? I wouldn't go that far, but there's some similarities between the Flyers. And the Avalanche, except the one difference is Philadelphia has a great goaltender in Carter Hart. 
Yeah, no, that's I, I like that comparison. Um, the Flyers don't have like a Nathan McKinnon, but like you said, they have Carter Hart, they have Provorov, they have they have a lot of really good young talent. And you know, we talked about the Flyers uh, a little bit before, but again, like we could say that we're disappointed in how they performed in that series against the Islanders, but really, this is a young team. They outperformed their expectations this year. Everyone saw how good Carter Hart is and is going to be. I mean, the fact that he's not even in his prime yet is pretty scary. Yeah, you're right. Uh, when he when he gets to that prime, he's going to be the next Carey Price in his prime. And the one key, you and I both emphasized this before, Philadelphia can't overplay him. Because I think if Carey Price hadn't been so overworked during his prime... Yeah, mm-hmm. he was very good in the playoffs this year. But think about that Carey Price, but consistently through the last five years. That would have made a huge difference for the Montreal Canadiens. And they recently went and got uh, Allen, I believe. Yeah, it's Allen. Yeah. And yeah. I think that was a great pickup for the Montreal Canadiens because Allen can take a decent number of games. And I give Bergerman a lot of credit. He didn't have to give up much to get him. And mm-hmm. That'll serve Montreal very well next season. So if you're the Philadelphia Flyers, Brian Elliott's been pretty good and pretty serviceable as well. But if you can find an upgrade on Brian Elliott, and there's definitely goaltenders out there that are an upgrade on Brian Elliott, you should definitely try and move some assets to get that goaltending depth to a better level. And I think Philadelphia, yeah, they had a pretty lackluster round two. But they played a really good Islanders team. They're still mm-hmm. a fairly young team. My one concern with them, though, is where was Claude Giroux, for example, Mac? He Oof. was nowhere to be seen. Yeah, I mean, that's it's he's not the only one that really didn't do anything for them. JVR was terrible. He was a healthy scratch. You're paying that guy, what, $7 million? Yep. Evan Hayes was good, I thought, but he could have been a lot better. You know, Konechny, he's a younger guy. He didn't do a whole lot. Um you know, there was a whole lot of question marks, really, in terms of the uh, Philadelphia Flyers forwards in that series. And I think that just goes to them being kind of a young team and, you know, maybe kind of like the Canucks, like we, we talked about. I think they just kind of ran out of gas here. I think, you know, they just didn't have enough left. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. All right. Um, Boston. Ooh, well, I think Boston, uh, once again, a team that uh, you and I either, we either just seem to oversell them or undersell them. And this was a time where we undersell sold them. And the only real good thing you can say in round two is that the uh, killer line looked really good, but that's not much of a surprise now, is it? <laughs> no. And I think everyone's freaking out about Tory Krug and, and their the Bruins situation, but really, you know, I think the biggest issue with this Bruins team, a, they're you know they're older than most, but that's because their core continues to get older. So I think you would benefit from a little bit of a youth movement here. But I think the the biggest reason that they couldn't get by Tampa Bay, and they had some struggles with other teams, was 
there's literally hardly any secondary scoring, Matt. I mean, if I asked you who led the Bruins in playoff scoring and was tied with Brad Marchand, who would you say? Hmm. I would probably say some. I would probably say uh, Pasternak. Pasternak had ten points. David Krejci was tied for the lead with Marchand with twelve points in thirteen games, which. David Krejci was basically the only serviceable secondary scoring option for them. I mean, listen to this. Tori Krug, you know, six points. Coyle, five. Kasha, four. DeBrusque, four. Corrali, three. I mean, you get the picture, right? Like, you can't just ask one line to do all the work and expect results against some really good teams in the Eastern Conference. So, I think... They need to play around with some things here. You know, Jake DeBrusque is a very good young player, but is he that great? No, he's kind of a guy that shows you flashes of brilliance and then he kind of disappears for a while. So it'll be interesting to see what Don Sweeney does. I do think Tory Krug is gone. Um, so definitely a lot of work to do with the Bruins. Um, but I think the main thing you need is, obviously you need to shore up the defense a little bit. But more than anything, you need secondary scoring, which they just don't have. Yeah, you're exactly right on that, Mac. And I think that that's the main thing for the Boston Bruins going into this offseason. It's not going to be a very busy offseason for the Bruins because they've still got that solid core there. But you got to make some moves to rejig the... uh, underbelly of the team the bottom six that's what wins you championships you mentioned tampa did that and boston can do it too there's lots of players out there that could really help you pretty quickly yeah for sure okay uh let's talk about bobby ryan winning the masterton and i think we'll wrap it up yeah uh huge congratulations to bobby ryan he won the masterton the other night and the Masterton to me is always one of the toughest awards. I'm glad I don't have to vote on it because it really is the award where everyone who gets nominated deserves it in some ways. And what Bobby Ryan was able to do last year, I remember back in late October, early November, when it was announced Bobby Ryan was taking a leave of absence from the team. There were a lot of people out there who said, is this the last we've seen Bobby Ryan skate? Because he was going through a lot of personal issues at the time that we didn't know about, but we knew something serious was going on. And then he returns to the lineup in the end of February and scores that hat trick in his first home game back. I, I was very happy to be there. I'd say that's one of my greatest in-person hockey moments I've ever witnessed. And I don't know if anything is going to come to top it because it was just so emotional and you could feel it felt so happy for the guy. By the way, that just happens to be a bit of rain. Uh, windows open a smidge. So if you catch some rain on the microphone, that's why. But anyways, uh, Bobby Ryan, super happy for him. And I, I was also uh, really, I really was happy with his uh, acceptance speech it was very humble uh he was very very happy for himself but also for his family he congratulated his family it was a family win 
and he couldn't have done it without his family. So very excited to see Bobby Ryan win the award. And as many people who go through problems like this before know that this is just the beginning and Bobby Ryan still got a lot of work ahead of him, but he's a strong guy. He's a very good community guy here in Ottawa and everyone in the NHL is rooting for Bobby. Yeah, absolutely. Great speech by him. You know, he was clearly very emotional. And like you said, it's something he has to work on every single day uh, for him, for himself and for others around him. But, you know, uh, obviously he's a great guy and uh, awesome for him to win. Like you said, the other nominees were perfectly deserving as well. And really, you could have picked any of them. And, you know, Stephen Johns with what he went through, Lynn Blom, Mark Strom, etc. So, yeah, congratulations to Bobby Ryan. And I hope that he can um, dodge some of those injuries and get back to being a really good player again because he's very talented. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I guess there's one more bit of Sen's news we should touch on, Mac. Uh, There was a bit of a leak on Reddit the other day. Uh, Of course, a Canadian Tire put out what is supposedly the new look for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, We'll retweet it on our Twitter if we haven't done so already. And you and I have both seen it, Mac. I will put out a very big asterisk here that it is a women's fanatic. And as you and I have both talked about on the show extensively, particularly during our Jersey episode, fanatics jerseys, uh, they're not very good. Yeah, but the design is cool, and oh, yeah, the, the details in an Adidas, I think, I think it'll be really neat. But basically, if you're wondering what it looks like, you know, without showing you a picture right now, it's basically very similar to the old style black and red, you know, with the the gold senator at the front. It's very very sharp. You know, we're both big fans of the original design, so we haven't seen any others. Just that one, just the black and red. Um, but we'll see what the rest of the rebrand looks like. Uh, we're thinking they're going to announce it at the draft. That's that's our thinking at this point. Yeah, and uh, a little bit of news on the draft there, Mac. Uh, of course, it has been moved up a couple days, so we'll get to see hopefully those jerseys a few days sooner, and we'll get to see the NHL draft. As you know, Mac, uh, I'm very excited for it. You and I, as we've mentioned before, are working towards that episode. We're going to start working on getting a guest and we've got a whole bunch of great stuff planned for the off season as well so we're really excited and really looking forward to that of course our stanley cup final preview show will come once we know who is in the stanley cup final and as always a a big thank you to our listeners without you guys this wouldn't be possible all right yeah, I agree. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the games. You know where to find us, anywhere you get your podcasts. For Matt, this is Max signing off. Take care, guys.